This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to episode 170 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about hacks for the Tokyo Marathon. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners and welcome to episode 170 my name is letty my name is ryan and we are your hosts of the weekly marathon running podcast where we talk about all things running Did you forget for a minute? I did, I did. So we do talk about training, we talk about nutrition, we bring you experts on all those topics, so then that way we don't have to pretend to be experts and we can just connect you guys with them. So that's kind of our niche here, and thank you guys for consistently tuning in. We've had quite a growth in the last year. We're super grateful for that. Yes, definitely. Um, And today... You love hacks, so sounds like a good episode. Yes, we talked to Robert Wang, who is known in the running community, at least on Facebook, for being very savvy when it comes to traveling and doing those world majors. So the world majors is six different marathons all around the world, and he has done all of them. People do those particular marathons because once you finish the series of them, you get the six-star medal, which is something that a lot of people strive to acquire over the years of running marathons. How do you how do you get the medal? Do you have to like apply or something? Yeah, so it goes through Abbott, uh, which is the organization who has the umbrella, is the umbrella for all these marathons. And you let them know prior to running your last race that it will be your last marathon. They verify it and then you get that six star medal and the celebration and prestige that comes with it. Do you get it during your race? Like when you finish your race? Yeah. How do they do that? So they have like a little separate section and all these major marathons? Yeah. Interesting. So what are they? The races, just to reiterate for people like me that don't know. So that's Berlin, Boston, Chicago, London, New York, and Tokyo. However, there is talk that South Africa will have a race in the future years. So you know how it's really difficult to get into those races sometimes, like the London lottery and Tokyo are really difficult. So don't get too excited when you reach that in a couple of years because there may be another major added to it and it'll be a seven-star medal. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you're excited about a potential marathon. We haven't uh, done the logistics yet, but you wanted to get your brother to run, right? 
You're trying to get all, all family members. Yes. So my brother is not a marathoner. He actually just completed his first 5K a couple months ago. But he loves Rome. He loves Europe. And he is talking us into potentially running the Rome Marathon with him, which is March 17th. The good thing about the Rome Marathon is it's not one of those six stars. So it doesn't sell out, which is kind of crazy to me because there's a lot of different cities in this world that I would rather run a marathon in than some of those six stars, but to each their own. So I'm glad that you agreed to potentially making this your second marathon, Ryan. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. I don't think you had to take it. You needed a lot of convincing to run a marathon, especially in Rome. Yeah, I really didn't. I, I need more convincing to other things that he's recently been proposing, such as staying in the mountains and learning breathing techniques in the cold to survive. But we won't get into that. But let's get into it a little bit so people know. So uh, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that Letty does not like cold. She likes hot. And she'll even run in the heat. And so her brother wanted to get her to do, what is it? Is it a, like a basically like a cold exposure experience with breathing techniques and stuff like that, which sounds like the very opposite of what Letty would like to do. Um, but it was kind of neat because she was saying, well, if you run a marathon with me, maybe I will then in return do something like that with you. Is that about accurate? Very accurate. Okay. And for anyone that wants to look it up, it's called the Wim Hof method, which is breathing techniques to even, I guess, reactivate your brown fat where you oh, can be outside in the cold and do better, which I feel like, you know what? I look up to my brother. I have a really good relationship with him. If anyone is able to talk me into that, it would be him because <laughs> I do stuff to please him in that sense. <laughs> so it's something that is interesting and will probably make me better in life so i'm not always so cold but it was really interesting um and so maybe that'll happen in the fall he even pulled the podcast he said why don't you do that and then you can let your listeners know how this stuff works so that might be in the future we'll see who knows <laughs> he'll have to run the row marathon first with you so that uh he can do his his half of the deal but um back to the marathoning and running that was just a short detour um i think uh i think i think Running in marathon, for me, running in marathons, just like to run in marathons, probably not something I'd, I'd want to do too much, but like running in marathons at cool cities that you get to explore by running, I could definitely get into that. Cause I think it's really neat that we went and saw Stockholm and so, so many different parts of the city just by running through it. So that was kind of neat. I, I could, I could get into something like that. I agree 100%. And I knew you're going to be on board too. And for me too, I don't race every race. I actually like racing particular marathons and then take it really easy on other ones because it just makes my heart happy to just run as well. I don't really need to feed the ego with certain timing. So it's going to be great. So anything else? What's coming up besides, I guess we did talk about Tokyo. We talked about potentially Rome, which would be next March um chicago chicago is coming up but the reason that we are having this episode on tokyo is because the lottery is still open so if you are still looking for your star being tokyo or if you're just interested in running the tokyo marathon for whatever reasons you have the lottery doesn't close for another few days at the time of this podcast coming out. I think you still have a few days left and we'll have robert explain when the deadline is because i don't know it from the top of my head 
along with some other questions that we're going to ask him. We're going to talk to him about when to get there, if you're coming from the U.S. and you're familiar with short vacation timing, how much time do you really need there, flight, accommodation, packing tips, food, currency, customs, do's and don'ts, transportation, the expo, race day differences, and post-run celebrations and all that. So it's going to be super exciting. Everyone else that, that entered the lottery doesn't know if they get in yet? No, they don't know yet. Because it hasn't finished, right? Yeah. yeah okay. So you want to get into it? Yes, let's do it. Without any further ado, we're now going to play our conversation with Robert Wing. All right, so I'm back on with Robert Wang. Robert, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to see you again, Letty. Yes, you too. And thank you for coming back. So for those of you guys who don't know Robert, Robert is an expert when it comes to all the world majors. He has a huge Facebook group with I don't even know how many followers you have. You have this point. But uh, I know that you have a lot of insight when it comes to every marathon from how to get into them to where to stay. So that's why we brought you back today to talk to us about Tokyo, because we are in a phase of a lottery happening. Let us know who's able to still get into Tokyo. So the lottery, now here's the thing. It, it, it opened uh, a few days ago. It opened Sunday night, uh, the registration, and it goes until uh, 4 a.m. Eastern time, August 25th. Remember, the registration deadlines are always by Japan time. Uh, and Japan time is 13 hours ahead of Miami or Fort Myers or New York or Canton, Ohio. So you got to keep that in mind. That has tripped up a lot too many people. But um, you have until the 25th of August, 4 a.m. Eastern time to register for the lottery. Okay. Now, what, now people are like, well, what are the chances I'm going to get in? Okay. Well, um, it's not really clear. Uh, the Tokyo Marathon, they have not, as far as I'm aware, I don't think they've released any numbers on how many people have applied the last couple of years they used to before COVID. Um, last year, I, I had a survey. I put up a survey in my group and I asked people, if you applied for the lottery, did you get in? And, I, and about one in three people who responded to the poll said they got in, which is, a, which is probably an historic high. But you have to remember that we had travel restrictions in place a year ago. Um, basically to go to Japan, uh, you had to get a visa. You had to go to the consulate. You had to apply, fill out an application, give them your passport. They have to st get your passport and stamp it and that, you know, and, and all that stuff. You had to pay, a, uh, you actually didn't have to pay a visa fee if you're American, but, uh, and then you, not only that, you had to book through a tour operator. You had to have a tour booked, an itinerary booked through a tour operator. At one point you had to actually have a, have a guide with you, a chaperone at all times, because their job was to make sure you were wearing your mask. You didn't go around spreading COVID and, and infecting people. That was their job. So uh, they, they, they got rid of those restrictions in October. But the people, when you entered the lottery last year, you didn't know that was going to happen. So a lot of people didn't apply because of the uncertainty. So um, basically, the odds were one in three. But before COVID, based on my surveys, I believe that for a non a runner not from Japan, the odds I my, I'm guessing totally estimating 10 to 17 percent because I suspect that the Tokyo Marathon has a drawing for J runners who live in Japan and runners who are from outside Japan. So the odds of actually getting into the race are better if you don't live in Japan, uh, based on the information that I've seen. So the, so the, your chances are pretty good. Uh, you've missed the boat on the charity registration, and that's where you basically pay like 700 and 50, 800, $900,000 is basically an auction. You bid, you bid for each charity for your entry. Uh, but that bill is sale. The deadline to, to, 
to apply for that was July 13th. So uh, right now you're you have basically uh, most people have one option: the lottery. You uh, we we will find out on October 3rd according to the schedule on the Tokyo Marathon website. Now there is another option after that, and that is uh, the Abbott World Marathon Majors drawing, and that is for anyone who by November has has completed officially four other world, different World Marathon Majors, and they can enter that drawing. And I think the odds of that, I mean, you know, my guess, my 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 uh, instinct, my uh, intuition tells me I think it's higher than the Tokyo Marathon. Um, so I mean, the really the only real ch you know the other option is tour operator, but that is pretty difficult because they reserve entries for their most loyal clients. Like Marathon Tours just closed their registration a few weeks ago. I think for most people, uh, those packages are probably those deadlines have probably passed, but it depends on what country you live in. So check with your check with the tour operator who sells majors entries and make sure they're legit. If you can, the problem is Tokyo Marathon doesn't have a listing of official tour operators up anymore. I don't know why. So it's very difficult to confirm who still sells Tokyo bibs. But uh, those are your main options for getting into the race. And I, I'm sorry for going on for like five minutes about this. No, that's okay. I mean, it just shows us how difficult it is to get into those marathons. And then once you do get into them, then obviously it's time to go. So, all right, let's talk about timing to get there. So if you obviously have all the time and money in the world, you want to make this trip as long as possible so you can see Japan and maybe the surrounding countries and everything. But if you don't, if you have a family, if you have a job and you don't have those two weeks, what do you feel, in your opinion, is the shortest amount of time that you can go there and get there if you obviously want to run the marathon, but maybe see a little bit of Japan? The absolute minimum, and I know that we live in a country uh, where people are time starved. People want to leave for like one day and come back. You know, people do not do, do what people do in Europe and Australia. They leave for two weeks, a month. Americans just often don't do that. So, but um, I know some people will struggle. I think people should leave, leave min like middle of the week before the race and minimum get back on Monday, the day after the race. That, that's what I think. However, I know there are people who are going to test that that they're going to arrive on Saturday, run the race on Sunday, and fly out Sunday night. I know there are people going to do that. I don't recommend that because of the jet lag that's involved, the logistics that are involved. You're going to miss out on so much of the experience. You're going to pay all that money to go there for like a couple days and then leave, and that this doesn't make any sense to me. Why you, you either, Why even go then? I mean, really. Um, but, I, okay, I think the minimum is the, – here's the thing. when you, if, I'm, I'm talking to people who are coming from the United States, okay, If you leave on, let's say you leave Tuesday morning, okay, you're because of the of the 13-hour time difference from Eastern time, you're going to arrive there in the afternoon of the next day. So if you leave on, let's say you leave 11, let's say you catch a flight from, I don't know, Newark or JFK or whatever, or Atlanta, you leave at 11 a.m., okay, you're going to get there around 3 or 4 p.m. the next day, Wednesday, in Tokyo. That The flight's, the flight's going to be... 13, 16, I mean, maybe it's actually longer now because we can't use Russian airspace, but it's 13 to 16 hours, okay, to get there, okay? So, and then you have the time difference. You add that. So, you you, you basically, now you're going to get that time back when you come back. Like, you can depart on a Monday evening in Tokyo, and it'll be Monday afternoon here when you get here. So, that's the advantage. You'll get that time back coming back, most much of it. Uh, you know, I think you should leave on Tuesday if you can and arrive Wednesday, It'll give you like a few more day, another day to adjust the time zone when you run the race. 
and you can get to the expo first thing in the morning, first thing in the morning, late morning of Thursday when the expo opens. And therefore you can get all the access to the merchandise, which is hard to get if you don't get there that early. So, um, uh, and then if you have to leave, if you have to run back, you have to rush back, which I don't really recommend, but I know people are going to do it anyway. Leave on Monday, you know, run your race, have a nice post-race meal, and then leave the next day. You know, you could even leave in the evening, Monday evening, and you'll be back here by Monday afternoon or leave Monday afternoon and be back here by m early Monday morning. Yeah, um, no, I agree. So I agree. All right. So let's talk about flights. Do you have any tips for finding the most convenient and cost effective flight? Because as we know, flying to Tokyo can be very expensive coming from the United States. So how do you normally find your flights? Uh, I usually use Google Google flights. Simple as that. Uh, I used to use kayak, but I'm not a big fan of kayak because it connected me with this like third party. Like they'll put up airfare airfares with third through third party uh travel agencies which are i i think are kind of dubious personally so i go at google flights and then i usually book direct through the airline um now here's the thing about tokyo um uh the airfares have been crazy since covid especially international flights uh the demand's been up for international travel and the airfares are high and and um the connections are usually not the greatest uh They're not as good as they used to be. Um, back in 2019, or actually it was summer 2018 when I booked the flight, but I paid about $800 to fly United from Newark. I, I flew to Newark, and then I flew Newark nonstop to Tokyo. But here's the thing. We don't have access to Russian airspace anymore. It used to be we could fly over the Arctic, go through Russian airspace, and land in Japan. That would cut, and you could do it in 12 hours. And apparently you can't do that anymore for obvious geopolitical reasons. Okay, so you so the, the 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 planes have to move further. They have to use more fuel, and that increases the cost of the flights. Uh, also, there's a headwind that on the way there if you go across the Pacific. Okay, and like so, it's it's going kind of over Alaska and flying. You know, it's, you know, it's hard to imagine three dimensionally. Um, but um, it, it can take 16 hours to get there because of that headwind. But then, then the good thing is it'll be much faster coming back. Um, so um, I would go to Google Flights and I would check around and I would I would start looking, I don't know, roughly six months before and see, you know, what, what you can find. But uh, and, and, and give yourself reasonable connections and hopefully you have TSA pre-check or global entry uh, to facilitate your way uh, because you don't want to be stuck in a hopefully not in a passport line coming back to the United States. And then you have a domestic connection. So, um, the, yeah, those are my thoughts on the flights. Perfect. Thank you. I didn't know that about the Russian airspace. Obviously, it makes sense, but I never put two and two together. So let's talk about accommodation. Normally, what I do is I book a hotel that's really close to the finish line for convenience reasons, etc. So let's talk about starting line hotels, pros and cons. And also, are there any particular hotels or area that are loved by runners? You know how Boston has everything kind of close to the finish line and it's kind of a hub. I'm wondering if Tokyo is the same and if so, where is that area? There, there's not really a vibe place. There's no, there's not really a vibe place. If, 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 if I, the best shakeout run in Tokyo probably is run around the Imperial palace, but you don't, you don't get the Boston vibe. You don't get the, I'm in a park and all these people are running around. They're all running the Tokyo marathon on Sunday. And you know, you're not, Like, like London Marathon, if you go to Hyde Park, everyone's running around. They're all running the London Marathon on Sunday, okay? Um, 
You, you don't get that vibe in Tokyo. At least I never have. It, 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 the city is so big that you don't really get the vibe. Here's the complication, which really throws people for a whirl, okay, uh, is the start is not close to the finish. There, it's at least a 20-minute train ride from one, from, the, from one end to the other if you, take, if you took the train. But here's the thing. J Tokyo has the best public transportation system I've ever seen. It's very, I mean, now, now here's the thing about it, too, is it's different systems. There's the metro. There's the JR lines. There's Japan Rail. There's the private train uh, lines. Google Maps knows how to navigate through them. If you're what you know, like uh, it will give you directions, but trains are, are every two minutes in Tokyo. You're almost never going to wait very long for a train unless it's the airport shuttle train. Okay, well, here's the good news about Tokyo. There are all kinds of accommodations at all budget levels. I mean, we're going from capsule hotels where you literally sleep in a capsule. Okay, but they, but they might, it, but it'll have an awesome lounge and it'll have a, it might have a spa. You know what I mean? It would be like $40 a night or something like that to hostels, you know, which are actually clean in Japan. You know, they're not as bad as, you know, they're not, you know, they're pretty clean. Like almost everything in Japan is clean. Japan is, is obsessed with cleanliness and being germ free, uh, and, you know, to business hotels, which are very inexpensive hotels. They're tiny rooms. But they're very inexpensive rooms that business people stay at because they have to work late at the office. They had a long commute. They live like an hour away by train. They'll often stay at these business hotels. Uh, and then the next level, um, like the, there's also uh, Roiken, traditional Roiken inns uh, and, you know, with the, 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 the tatami mats on the floor or, or you know, the, the bedding is not, a, you know, it's traditional Japanese room or you want a Western style. And those tend to be more expensive. And, you know, if you want more Space in Tokyo is at a premium. It's like New York. Um, it's crowded. There's so many people. It's very densely populated. And so the room, this, the rooms are, are small for the most part. You can get a bigger room, but it's going to cost you some more money. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, if you want to stay in a Western style hotel and, you know, with a nice breakfast and a buffet and a spa and a bar and a concierge and a classic restaurant on the top floor, you're going to pay Western prices. If you're willing to go the budget route, you can save money if you're willing to like, okay, you know what? I don't, maybe my room doesn't have to be as big. Maybe I don't need these amenities. Maybe I don't need a bar, but you know what? It's near the subway station. That's good enough for me. You know, like, like, because almost everything in Japan is clean. So you're not going to end up, you're probably not going to end up in a hellhole somewhere. All right, Robert. So let's talk about packing. What should a runner take into consideration when given that we'll have a certain temperature and also because we'll have differences in the food that we're used to? Uh, well, number one, definitely bring your passport. Uh, that's absolutely essential. <laughs> You're not going to get in the country without it. But um, uh, in terms of clothing, I mean, dress for the winter. Dress like You know, I mean, it, it, in that time of year, it's often in the 40s in, in Japan. Dress like it's, it could be 30s or 40s in terms of Fahrenheit. If, if whatever you normally wear when it's 35 to 40 degrees, bring that to Japan at that time of year. There's probably produce you can't bring into the country, I'm guessing, but that's almost true of many countries. If, if, if there's something that you have to have, then bring it with you uh, because you're going you're, you're gonna to have to. Japan is a totally different country in terms of food. You're not going to find typical American food. It's just not going to happen. Even McDonald's is different. Even Burger King or Wendy's is different. It's done a different way. Most restaurants have a specialty, okay? They usually serve like just that specialty, all right? So if you want sushi, you go to a sushi place, that's probably almost all they're going to serve. Like there's no, there's, there's rarely general 
dining places. If it serves Japanese curry, that's probably almost everything that they serve. Uh, they, they, like Restaurants have specialties in Japan. Okay, perfect. All right, so with that, let's talk about currency, credit card or cash. How easy is it to just use your credit card or using the yen? Um, this is what I do. Um, number one, uh, Japan is traditionally a cash uh, culture. Like crime is so low in Japan. Not crime does happen in Japan, but it's so much lower than anywhere else. People seldom get robbed. So people ca traditionally carried like a lot of cash. Um, so I think you have to, you, you have to have some cash and the best way to, the best rates to get are through an ATM. Uh, preferably no fees. What I did was I opened a Capital One 360 account. Uh, they didn't have any fees for international EDM withdrawals. And then I went to, to the seven bank ATMs at 7-Elevens and withdrew without any fee. And I got the best exchange rates. I think that's the best way to change money in Japan. Uh, now, some a lot of places will take credit cards. Some will like will take Pasmo or Suica. You can load money on there. Um, and then, oh, and then uh, everyone obviously takes cash. Vending machines are super advanced in Japan, and, and a lot of stuff is operated by vending machines. You want a dish, you look at the picture on the button, you push the button, you put the money in, and a ticket will be printed out. You give to the sh to the cook, and he'll make that for you. That's often what happens. I love this. It's such a different cultural experience. I'm super excited for that. So maybe with that, maybe tell us just a couple of basic do's and don'ts, language barrier, and also maybe talk running culture. Um, I don't know much about the running culture in Japan. I know that traditionally uh, marathons in uh, Tokyo, they used to be for elites. Like prior to 2007, they had marathons in Tokyo, but they were mainly, most of them were for elite competition. You know, kind of how we used to do it in the United States. Like prior to 1970, like, uh, you know, most of marathons, they would have like, I don't know, a couple dozen competitors, but they were professionals. They did it for a living or, uh, or maybe, or they, you know, like there, it wasn't a mass sport. Uh, and today it's, it's the Tokyo marathon start, like it became a mass race in 2007. So, um, in terms of the culture there, like, like a, a lot of people run for t corporate teams. That's a common thing as well. Like, like teamwork, consensus, that's, those are important Japanese values. Um, like, 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 like running for the team and running for the collective good. Um, in terms of um, culture, I mean, I think people are learning really quick. Uh, one part of culture is being very exact. Like, for example, oh, this is very important. Deadlines are strict. That's an important part of Japanese culture. My, my sister used to live in Japan, and she told me the saying is, if you're on time in Japan, you're late. Um, and, 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 and they are serious about deadlines. Like, if a train is 20 seconds late, it is a major scandal in Japan. Like, it is a big deal. They write newspaper articles. If a train is 20 minutes, 20 seconds late, 20 seconds. Like, like, like that's like the, the Tokyo Marathon like has a schedule and everything happens according to that schedule. Uh, though with the exceptions, I heard that the corrals did not close on time, which I'm shocked. But the, this, if it's, if the start's going to be at 9, 10 AM, this, it is going to start at 9, 10, 0, 0 AM. And there are eight, uh, cutoff checkpoint deadlines that you have to make. And if you don't, and if, and if you don't, um, if you don't, if, if you're one second late, you're not finishing the race. 
Like, uh, and I think people need to realize that uh, if the deadline to register is 4 a.m. or it's 5 p.m. Japan time, you know, you're not registering at 501. I mean, I think people need to, it shocks a lot of people. We're, we're used to more casual approach in our cultures and that's not the way things are there. I think people need to realize that. Uh, people are sticklers for the rules in Japan. Um, there's, the other thing is the communal good is like a major big deal in Japan. And, and they are super serious about opening the roads on time. Um, and and they pr that's probably why they don't let people who miss the cutoff finish on the sidewalk like other majors do, you know, because of all the pedestrians. That's my speculation. Uh, but, you know, people are in for, for a lot of people are in for a culture shock. And it, 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 it's, it's very off-putting to a lot of people from North America or Europe um, who go there. Uh, and, and but that's part of the deal. It's part of the experience. Interesting. So let's talk about the expo. I think you've alluded to it a little bit about how the expo is a little bit different, but maybe you can go into details about waiting lines, when to get their best and how the swag that you can get at expos is a little bit different. All right. Um, with the Tokyo Marathon, uh, it's more difficult to get official race merchandise because ASICS is the sponsor and they make the apparel but it appears they're a lot more conservative. They don't want to be caught with you know, unwanted merchandise. So they go to the extreme of not ordering enough. So there's not enough to meet demand. Um, and a lot of the popular sizes are gone by the first day. And this was 2019. It was even worse last year or this year, March, 2023. Uh, there were no jackets um, and uh, a lot of stuff was sold out. And I think, I think because of, of COVID and the pandemic and the supply chains, I think ASICS was like, you know, like, we're not going to we're not going to take any risks here. We're not going to lose any money on this. This is my speculation. And so they didn't make the, they didn't order jackets to be made. And they didn't. And, and, and so they probably ordered less supply. Like, well, we're not going to take We're not going to take a loss on this. So uh, or risk a loss. I mean, that's what I'm guessing. Uh, I, I don't know what the mentality is going to be for uh, 2024. Uh, so it, but here's the thing. If you want this stuff, you've got to get there early. If you're going to be this, if you're going to have this, like, well, I'm going to fly in Friday. I don't have time to get there earlier. Then, you know what? Forget it. You're probably not going to, it may not work out. You know what I mean? Or you have to find a friend who gets there earlier to get it for you. I mean, that's just the way it is. If, if, if you can't get there earlier, you know, because, you know, your kid has a piano recital, you can't find a babysitter for the night before, or your boss has to have, you know, will, will freak out if you leave a day earlier. If those are true, then that's important. You know what? You may have to kiss some race merchandise goodbye or try to find someone willing to get it for you on day number one, uh, early on day number one. I, I'm, I'm, that's just the way it is. Yes, very different from what we are used to here in the United States with, for example, the Boston jackets where later on you can find a lot of them at Marshall's and Ross's and those uh, discount stores all over the country. So that's cool. So let's talk about the race day differences. Last year, obviously, was a whole different ball game. It was the first race after COVID. People were required to wear masks. People were required to carry phones to get into corrals. And I also heard that some of the porta potties were not on the course, but you had to get into subway stations. So maybe talk to us a little bit about how the race is different. I don't know what it is. I think the reason why the porta potties are not as in the best locations is because they're thinking about the neighborhood. They're thinking about the people who live there, the people who work there. They're trying to be considerate. 
you know, who wants to he, who wants to walk into their apartment and smell porta potty? So I'm guessing that they they locate them uh, at, to try to make them the least offensive. I think that's my speculation. So I have seen like the first time I stopped for a porta potty during the race was near the halfway point in 2019. It was literally an entire block away, and I'm not talking a short block. I'm talking a long block. I'm talking you have to literally run there for two to three minutes to get there and then two to three minutes to get back to the course. And not only that, the next time I, I had to go, and this is unfortunately a race I had to go at least four, three times. Okay. They pointed me down the sub into a subway station, these narrow set of stairs to get down into a subway station, to use the restroom in the subway station they had a sign pointing down with a down arrow. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I did find a porta potty near the course, uh, near close, like at, like I don't know after the halfway point, and then I and then the third time I literally had to run across a small city park to use the park restroom. That was the official restroom. I had to run across a park and then run across the park to come back to the course. It was a small park, but you know what I mean. Um, so the porta potties can totally screw your race. If you are having issues where you have to really go, I hate to say this, but you are in trouble. <laughs> I mean, this is not a good race to have to go a lot. It's not. Um, however, I, I heard less this year about porta potties being far from the course. I don't know if maybe they had less of those or not. I didn't hear it being as big of a deal, but I can tell you that I personally had problems with it. The other thing, too, is the start area is only open for about two hours. Okay, it's, it opens at 7 a.m. In fact, you're instructed not to get there any earlier. You're instructed not to even stand outside the start area and wait. You they want you to get there at no earlier than 7 a.m. Okay, you got to go through like airport like security to get in. Okay, you, like I think there's like, like 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 I think they have the metal detectors and they have all you have to put your bags through there. It, it, you know they they are really concerned about a terrorist attack. So um um. And, and not only that, they also use smartphones to identify you now. They used to give you security wristbands. Now they give. Now they have you. They have, They take your picture with an app uh, that you put on your phone, and uh, you know at the expo, and you have to show that picture to the whoever at the, at the start area entrance with the app. That's to make sure apparently that you don't sell your bid to someone, okay? Or an intruder doesn't get in that way, or whatever. Or a terrorist doesn't get in that way, uh, and then. This has been the experience. If I mean, if you got there at 7 a.m. and you, you had to use the porta potty immediately, not a big deal, not a long wait. If you get there after 8 a.m. like I did, big mistake because you will have you will be waiting at least 25 minutes. I also heard that you are not allowed to get rid of clothes, and I know this is a huge thing in most majors that you wear some throwaway attire so you can stay warm up until you start the race, and then you get rid of that. Is that true as well? Okay, let's. It's very. It's more complicated. That was the original policy. Okay, that the original policy was you can't bring clothes in. I think the reason was because of COVID. I think the volunteers were paranoid they would get COVID from clothing, which is there's no scientific evidence that that there's any serious risk of getting COVID from clothing. But there are people. I, I suspect. I'm just speculating. I suspect they had that policy because the volunteers were freaking out about getting COVID through clothing. Japan is a very germaphobic culture. Okay, like they they even sanitize like cash and before they put them in ATM, they have a sanitizing machine. You know what I mean? So that sanitizes money. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe that's an urban myth, but that's what I've read. 
So um, th that's why I guess that happened. And then there was there was some lobbying by Abbott, the world, the, the communications women, Lorna Campbell, at, at World Marathon, Abbott World Marathon majors, to put out a box that put out a couple boxes that people could drop their clothing in. And that was like a late change, okay? Apparently, there weren't enough of these boxes. And I knew that that was probably going to be a problem. So people started dumping their clothes everywhere, okay? People were dumping their clothes. They, you know, they weren't in a position to enforce that policy, okay? So that's what happened, all right? People were tossing clothes everywhere. Uh, they shouldn't have been – it was against the policy. People did it anyway. People were, were, were urinating everywhere, you know, they were offending Japanese people. Like I hear on social media, like Japanese people are like those foreigners peeing. Like, I, can you believe that they were urinating at, you know, on the sacred garden, you know, like, um, so that wasn't good. Um, you know, like, like they're very strict about cleanliness in Japan. They have rules. Like you're not supposed to use the department store restroom or the, or the subway station restroom before the race. Like, it's very strict because they don't want to give offense. They're very strict about cleanliness in Japan. Like, they're very strict about the impact of the race on, on other people. Um, it, and it becomes – but it, it, just be, it just becomes a big deal. Like, and, but the problem with the porta potty situation is not managed optimally. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate. But, okay, so we can prepare ourselves, like you said, by maybe – thinking about how we each could best handle those situations. Now, let me talk to you about the race itself. Anything that sticks out to you that's inherently different or that runners in the U.S. should know about? Okay, well, the most essential thing to know about is if you are a runner uh, who runs marathons over six hours, you need to be very aware of the cutoff deadlines. There are eight checkpoints along the race at various intervals. And they're not even, even they're, you know, they're not even like, uh, rounded intervals. Like one is like 11.1 kilometers. Like they, it doesn't mean make sense to me. I think it has to do with like the road closure schedule or something. Um, but they're not in an even pace. Okay. Four, they're 4.9 kilometers, 11.1 kilometers, 15.4 kilometers, 20.9, 24.7, 29.2, 33.5, and then the finish. All right. There's times you have to be there by. For example, uh, the first checkpoint, you got to be there by like a 4.9 kilometers. You got to be there by 10.25 a.m. The second one, which is really hard to make if you're a six-hour marathoner, is the 11.1 kilometer. That's 6.9 miles, 11.10 a.m. You must be there by 11.10.00 a.m. You cannot get there at 11.10.01 a.m. or there's a rope in front of you and you're being told to get on the bus. For, for, for people who aren't back of the Packers and the deadline, the checkpoint, the cutoff deadlines aren't a concern. And that's generally anyone under six hours. Uh, this is an this is an urban streetscape course. OK, there's a lot of there and backs like like nest, it feels like a little bit like a maze where you, you go somewhere and then you come back and the course continues and you go somewhere and then you come back and then or there and backs within there and backs. You go somewhere, you go somewhere, you come back, and then you go somewhere else, and then come back to that common point. And you know that there's a lot of that along the course. It, it happens at least five or six times. So what's going to happen is you're going to you're probably going to see the elites running ahead of you. You're going to see the people behind you. You'll, you might even see the the balloon pace. They didn't have them this year for uh, the minimum pace, but you might see the balloon pacers. You'll see the you'll see people way ahead of you and people way behind you because of all these there and backs. Uh, 
And that is what the, you also have to frequently turn. When you get to the end of the Derenbach, you have to make a turn and come back. And no other ma world marathon major has this. Uh, I mean, you're going to see a couple temples here and there, but it's generally, you know, streetscape. Like, you know, you'll see department stores and, and you know, usual Japanese modern urban buildings. Uh, you know, there's, it's, there's nothing super remarkable about the course. Okay. It's just, it's just the environment. It's the cadence. You have people like cheering for you, but they're doing it with, with Japanese chants. Like the volunteers have this chant. Um, and it's just very, very different from any other race. Um, and, and I don't, it's very difficult to articulate and describe. You'll, you also will see some course entertainment. Like you'll see, you might see women in kimonos dancing, but in a very traditional way, or you might see a band playing YMCA, um, like, like, like it's, it, it's, it's just, it's a different vibe than you would for any other, like a marathon in the United States or the UK. Uh, and it's very difficult to describe it. And that's really why you want to run this race. It's not even really for the course. The course isn't anything super. It's like, it is like, a, it feels like a scene from a video game though. It, it kind of does. Um, and you have to kind of do it. I mean, I don't know. Some people do it and they're like, well, it wasn't that great. It wasn't super scenic. Okay, you know, no, it's not the most super, super it's not a scenic race. Uh, but it's, it's just, I, I don't even know how to describe the experience. Uh, it's just very, it's a different frequency. It's a different vibe. It's just something, you're not going to get this running the New York City Marathon or Boston or Chicago or London. You're just not, or even Berlin. Um, I, I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to get out of your comfort zone you like don't um, you know learn the ways of your hosts and um, um, and and have a, a, a tremendous like international experience. Um, I think that's why you should do it. I love it. Thank you so much, Robert. Let me ask you one last question. We're going to talk a little bit about post marathon. So, what do people do after this marathon? What is something a runner could do that's unique to Japan? Also, are there any post-run celebration opportunities or events where participants can commemorate their achievements? Uh, I, I, Abbott World Marathon majors in the past, they've had events. I don't know if they've had anything for Tokyo. I, I don't think they did this time. Um, I know Marathon Tours has a post-race reception, for the, the and it's really nice. And I've been up there. I, was, I went there briefly. Um, but... Um, Like, and, and some people will set up meetups, like, like one woman I know, she set up an impromptu meetup at the Grand Hyatt bar, uh, or lounge. Uh, but there's nothing really organized, but, but basically like, um, uh, I mean, what, the common thing is to eat something, you know, and there's plenty of things to eat in Japan, in Tokyo after the Tokyo marathon. You cannot go, it's hard to go wrong. I mean, uh, in terms of restaurants, I, like, I don't think you need to do much planning. I don't think you need to do any reservations. I mean, if you're staying, if you want, if you're going to a Western style hotel and a Western, a Western style restaurant, a Western style hotel, then you, then you may, and you want to go fancy schmancy, then maybe you need to do a reservation. You're doing an Italian restaurant, and there are a few in Tokyo. You may have to do a reservation for that. But in a large majority of cases, you can walk for five minutes and find a place and just eat there. And, you know, that's it. It's very casual. That's awesome. We're looking forward to that. And thank you so much for coming on. Maybe you can remind our listeners what your website is or your Facebook page where, where you spread your knowledge all the time. <laughs> uh, well, it is the World Marathon Majors Challenge Group on Facebook. 
Yes, and we'll invite everybody to join that group and we're going to post the link in our notes. And thanks again, Robert, so much for coming on and speaking with me. I appreciate it. Sure. And I'm sorry for going on and on and on a couple of times. Thanks, Robert, again for coming on to the show. We appreciate your input and hope to have you back on probably a little bit closer to New York or some other major that is coming up. So stay tuned for that. So what are you going to talk about next week? Can you give a teaser for people that want to listen again? Yes. Next week, we're going to stay away from hacks, but we're going to talk about interval training. We're going to talk to a running coach about why intervals are good for you and exactly what type of intervals you are supposed to do for a marathon training cycle. So that's going to be super exciting and super helpful for your current training. So don't forget to tune in next week. The easiest way to do that is if you subscribe to our podcast at whatever platform you're listening, and that way you get a reminder. Please give us reviews. Go on and give us reviews so that other people will see our podcast and listen to it and so that Letty doesn't have to go to Costco and all the computers there give ourselves five-star reviews. I would never do such a thing, Ryan. <laughs> all right. So with that... Have a great week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.